Well, happy Father's Day. If it hasn't been said to you already, let me just pile on. I just had a Father's Day moment right now. I was sitting over here with my daughter, and I'm about to come up here and speak to all of you, and she says, hey, what's for lunch? <laughs> Dads, you totally understand. Most of us as fathers, we have like favorite places and favorite moments that we spend with our kids or with our families. One of my favorite, one of our favorite places of family is Disneyland. And one of my favorite moments happened about seven years ago. We, we hadn't been for a long time, which for us meant like three months. And we jumped on our favorite ride, Thunder Mountain, and we turned around and just filmed pure joy on our kids' face as they plummeted down the mountain. And so whenever we want a good laugh, we watch that. But some of you are not Disney people. Um, some of you, you know, there are two types of people in the world, those who love Disney and those who despise Disney. You might be a Disney fanatic I, I, in this room today. I have some, some notes for you, to, some indicators as to whether you are, if you currently have or have held an annual pass to one of the parks or go over three times a year, you are a Disney fanatic, all right? If you have mouse ears and you wear them outside of the park, you may be a Disney fanatic. If you have a clear and formulated strategy and you can navigate the park without the map, you are probably a Disney fanatic. If you have an opinion as to which is better, world of color or phantasmic, you are a Disney fanatic. If you have no idea what I just talked about over the last 30 seconds, you are not a Disney fanatic at all. But whether you're on that scale or not, today's movie, I believe, will resonate with everybody in the room because it was not only produced by Disney, but the movie actually has Walt Disney as a central character in the story played by Tom Hanks. And today being Father's Day, the movie also speaks to fathers and to the complicated relationships that all often go alongside it. As Lauren mentioned, this is our final week of our At The Movie series, and it's been a lot of fun to discover biblical truths in the midst of stories that are prevalent in our culture. And some of you have asked us, some of you may have wondered why we've been watching all these clips, but it's what we would call the Mars Hill approach. You might say, well, what is that? Well, in Acts chapter 17 in the New Testament of Scripture, Paul went to Athens, Greece, and he actually studied the surroundings. He studied the language, the art, the thinking of that culture. And then in a place called Mars Hill, Paul then took the secular and he pointed it to the sacred. And that's what we've been attempting to do through this series is to take things that we look at all the time, the art, the film of our culture, and to show within that whether the creator of it knew or not where we can discover our creator. And today we're going to be looking at the movie Saving Mr. Banks. If you haven't seen it, it's going to be like record heat today. So like go to Redbox if it's there or go on your iTunes, go home, make lunch, turn the AC up full blast and sit back and watch the movie. It's a great study of the human heart because the movie is based on a true story about an author named Helen Goff who actually wrote under the pen name of P.L. or Pamela Travers. And she's best known for her Mary Poppins books. I, don't, I didn't actually know before seeing this movie that it was actually a series of books. I knew about the movie. Truthfully, I'd never watched it in its entirety until my daughter discovered it as a four-year-old and then watched it incessantly over and over again. 
And the book touched so many lives and so many people, and Walt Disney himself decided early on that he wanted to turn them into a movie. The challenge was that he, it took him 20 years of conversations with Travers, the author, to try to get the rights to make the movie. He had actually promised his daughters that he would make it happen. But he found that it was easier said than done because this somewhat irrational, eccentric author refused to sell him the rights. She feared that he would compromise the integrity of these beloved characters that she had created, somehow making it into somewhat of a cartoon or a fairy tale. It was only with the threat of going broke that she finally considered actually selling the movie rights. And after prodding from several people, Pamela finally reluctantly agrees to fly to Hollywood. And there we pick up the story as she meets Walt Disney for the first time. A man cannot break a promise he's made to his kids, no matter how long it takes for him to make it come true. Now, you kept me dangling all this time, but now I gotcha. Gotcha, indeed. Mr. Disney, if you have dangled it is at the end of a rope you have fashioned for yourself i was perfectly clear when you approached me 20 years ago that she wasn't for sale and i was clear again when you approached me the following year and clear again when you approached me every annum for the subsequent 18 years and quite honestly i feel corralled oh no pam the last thing i want to do is make you feel as though would you mind my name is mrs travis i do i I promise them pam now that's a fact you got kids no, well, not precisely. I have never, absolutely never, gone back on a promise I made to either one of my daughters. Now, that's what being daddy is all about, right? Is it? You know, see, our, our, our motion picture is not just going to make my kids happy. It's going to make all kids happy, adults too. With every great drama, there's a story behind the story. And as you watch these clips over the next few moments from the movie, I want you to pay careful attention to how Pamela's past relentlessly impacts her present, specifically when it comes to her relationship with her father. Maybe you caught it just a moment ago when Disney says, I'll never go back on a promise I made to my kids. That's what being a daddy is all about. You feel the emotion when Pamela responds, is it? Is it? That was difficult for her to hear. Her father was not able to keep his promises to her. And from that point on in the film, you can start to feel the tension of how her past paints her present and pulls her back from the future, being free from that, that she actually wants to have. And that's really the question that's presented to us today as we meld the sacred with the secular. The question that we throw out into the middle of this room today is, does your past paint your present, and does it pull you back from the future that God desires for you to have? Because it's always interesting to hear each other's stories, each other's past, where we came from, what we possibly had to overcome, what we've endured. And there's no doubt of this. Keep this in mind. Our past impacts who we are, but it should never limit who we can become. Let me say that again because I want you to hold on to this, not only this moment, in this moment, but beyond. Our past impacts who we are. It does. We can't just scoot it aside. It's there. It happened. But it should never limit who we can become. I don't know what's in your past that continues to impact your present. I have no idea. 
Perhaps you went through a tragedy that no one else knows about. You're sitting here today, no one around you would have any idea, and you still can't quite overcome it. Maybe you were bullied, pushed around in your life, and you still carry the scars from that mistreatment. Maybe, like many of us, you've experienced some betrayal in your life. You just find it incredibly difficult looking back in the past at that betrayal to actually trust again. You might call it the chapter of your life you would never want to be read out loud. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just pay some amount of money and we could go back and recreate some moments from our past and fix them? Like, think about that. You have them, right? Think about them today. What would be the moments in your past that you, if you could go back and pay some amount of money that you would really want to change or fix? As you think about yours, let me share a couple of mine. One of them happened when I was pretty young and I was engaged to my wife and her family was trying out for the family feud. What? And there was four of them, so as, as the future son-in-law, I was invited to be the fifth participant. And we actually got to the point where we went to an audition. And there was a producer in the room, and we stood up in front, and we literally had to go through what the game would be about. And I was in the fifth position. Now, the problem was is that I had been struggling with a cold really bad. And so I came to my big audition that day. And I mean, I, if you're queasy, I apologize. But I had stuff coming out of my nose. Right? And I was fighting it hard. You know, I was wiping left and right and, I mean, sleeve. I was the four-year-old in the room. And the challenge was when it came to me and they had asked the question and they came to me and everyone was looking, I could just feel it oozing. And I just went to take just this one final, like, and the, and the shock on, on the family's face, looking at me like, you're blowing this right now. And the smirk on the producer's face as everything in my sinuses now hung on my cheek. It's a moment that you'd pay to go back and replay. Obviously, we didn't make the show. A couple Saturdays ago, another moment I'd love to go back and fix. I'm sitting at home. It's peaceful. It's about 11.15 a.m. in the morning. My cell phone rings. I don't answer it. It's Saturday morning. Don't recognize the number. After they leave a message, I listen to it back. And it's a couple who I was supposed to officiate their wedding at what I thought was 5 p.m. And now at 11.15, they're calling me because they're wondering where I'm at for their 11 a.m. wedding that I'm supposed to officiate. You think that's bad? Try showing up a half hour later. <laughs> a moment I wish I could go back and fix. Now, listen. For most of us, the stuff you would change is a lot more serious than that. Maybe it's been stirring in your heart for decades and the pain of yesterday still lingers. Well, P.L. Travers and her story of Mary Poppins and the story of her life, it lingers for her. And that's the problem that she faces in this clip. This world is just an illusion, Kitty Helga. Oh, 
Countess Mary Sparkleston. Pray tell me, what are you concentrating so hard on? I'm laying eggs. Really? Fabulous. Today, I'm a hen. Indeed. I can see the feathers sprouting as we speak. Helen Goff, will you lay the table for supper, please? I'm not Helen. She can't possibly lay the table. She's busy laying eggs. Helen, will you lay the table for supper, please? She's lying! Perhaps for many of us on this Father's Day, that clip hits a little too close to home. Maybe you can relate to the pain that Pamela felt and she carried. Her father would actually end up drinking himself to death. And even though what happened to her dad wasn't her fault, she still felt the burden of his mistakes and somehow believed that she was responsible. She simply could not let it go. It was her it of her past. We all have an it. What is it? It's that thing in your past that has the potential to paralyze and to pull you down from the future that is intended for you, that God intends for you. Maybe one of your parents wasn't there for you. And it sits in your past and you envy the relationships that other people have with their parents, but it's paralyzing and pulling at you like a gravitational force. Maybe like Pamela, your mom or your dad were alcoholics. And you sit here today and you, re you, you reflect on that clip and you realize how they ruined your family. Maybe your story has a relationship that didn't work out. Maybe it's about a marriage that was filled with crisis. Perhaps someone who should have protected you that you trusted abused you emotionally, physically, sexually. Or maybe it was you. Maybe your past involves you doing something towards someone that you loved or to yourself. Some of the deepest wounds we carry are self-inflicted, but they're real. And whether our story is one of self-infliction or a result of someone else's influence, we sit here today and we all have a past that we would like to change. We all have an it and it becomes this gravitational force that threatens to pull us backwards from what God would have us to become. The pull makes us want to hide it. Maybe for some of you, if that doesn't work, you're in the process of trying to fix it. 
And that's difficult. Not everything can be fixed that easily. And in the movie, that's what Pamela continued to deal with as Walt Disney and his team. They tried everything possible over the course of the film to make the script they were writing acceptable to her. She held so tightly to the characters because she could not separate the past from the present. And whenever the pain of the past clouds our hope of the future, you know what we need? We need a fresh or a new perspective. We need a fresh or a new perspective. Because we all have an it, we can't hide it, and when we can't fix it, we need God to redeem it. To redeem it. In Israel, during the Old Testament times, they had prophets. And when you talk about perspectives, the, pro- the prophetic words that you read in the left side of your Bible, those were prophets of perspective. They were the mouthpiece of God to the people and to the nation. So I want you to hear a couple of them today because this perspective they bring is actually relevant to you and I today. Remember, the Israelites had a past. They had a past filled with rebellion, filled with sorrow, with disobedience, mistakes, brokenness. And Jeremiah shares a new perspective with them. In chapter 18, he says this. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. And so I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah says, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot, the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter threw it out. So the potter disregarded it. So the potter moved on. No. So, so the potter formed it into another pot. Shaping it, you got to underline this. Shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Listen today, church, crossing. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you and I. So are you and I, where God is molding, God is shaping, God is reforming. He's putting together something that's marred, that maybe is deformed, that's pulling on us, and he's making it into something and shaping it like new. So you can keep pretending everything's okay, or you can say to the potter, can you make this into another jar, one that seems right to you? Because the potter has a perspective that you and I don't have, and his perspective says this, your life Your past can be reworked. It can be reformed. It can be remolded. The prior form is not its final form. Your prior form is not your final form. God says the very things from the past you want to hide, that you're ashamed of, that you wish were not there, that you wish you could keep a secret, he can turn into something valuable. It's what God knows, what we can become. Isaiah, another prophet. He gives us another perspective, same idea, when he says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I am doing a new thing. God says, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up, do you not perceive it, do you not see it, are you getting pulled down too much into the past? I am making a way in the wilderness. 
Listen, our past, it impacts who we are, but it should never limit who we can become. For some of you, I want you to commit those words you just read off the screen to memory today. I hope those words would be an encouragement wherever you're seated. I hope they are redeeming words because God says, don't dwell on your past, but let me mold your future. Let me redeem your past and rewrite the narrative of your life and your story. Forget the former things. Let God change it. He's doing a new thing, something different, something better. He's healing. He's offering hope and forgiveness. He offers grace. Our God takes what hurts you, and he can actually empower it to help you. God says, forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. If you will, Clay, allow the potter to mold you. If you will, allow the potter to mold you. Watch this final scene very carefully because Travers once again bails out on the contract that she has to make the movie. And she returns home to London and she gets an unexpected visit when she arrives back from Walt Disney himself that changes everything as she learns when it comes to issues of her past that she is not alone. I was... uh... I was eight back then, just eight years old. And like I said, uh, winters are harsh. And old Elias, well, he didn't believe in new shoes until the old ones were worn through. And honestly, Mr. Travers, the snowdrift, sometimes they were up over my head. And we'd push through that snow like it was molasses. Cold and wet seeping through our clothes and our shoes skin peeling from my faces. Sometimes I'd find myself sunk down in that snow, just waking up, because I must have passed out or something, I don't know. And then, well, it was time for school, and I was too cold or wet to figure out equations and things. And Well, then it was right back out in the snow again to get home just before dark. Mother would feed us dinner, and then it was time to go right back out and do it again for the evening edition. You best be quick there, Walt. You better get those newspapers up on that porch and under that storm door. Pop's gonna lose his temper again and show you the buckle end of his belt, boy. Now, I don't, I don't tell you this to make you sad, Mrs. Travers. I don't. I love my life. I think it's a miracle. I love my dad. He was a, he was a wonderful man. But rare is the day. Well, and I don't think about that eight-year-old boy delivering newspapers in the snow and old Elias Disney with that strap in his fist. And I am just so tired, Mr. Travers. I'm tired of remembering it that way. Aren't you tired too, Mrs. Travers? Now, we all have our sad tales, but don't you want to... Finish the story, let it all go, and have a life that isn't dictated by the past. It's not the children she comes to save. It's their father. It's your father. Disney says to her these words that resonated, aren't you tired too? Aren't you tired? And he says, if you trust me, I will make a good ending. And in a sense, the movie that they finally make redeems the story of P.L. Travers. 
father. He rewrites her story, Disney does. He gives her a new hope, a new perspective. He brings, in a sense, redemption. Now we know this. Life is not Hollywood. It's not. But for us, for you and I, to overcome your past, you have to trust God with your story. Peel Travers, she trusted her story to Walt. But for you and I to overcome our past, to move on from the gravitational pull of everything that wants to pull us back into something that God doesn't want us to be, you have to trust God with your story, to let God work in your life so that your past is not something that's just completely pushed away, but that it just becomes scar tissue. It's just something that reminds you not of that moment, but of the redeeming power of God in our lives. You give him your marriage, your business, your career, your children. You give him yourself. You trust God and you delegate the outcome to him. You drop the pen. You stop controlling and stop writing. He can do a new thing in your life if you'll let him. But there's something you have to do. And Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he understood this well. He said it best in Philippians chapter 3. He said, here's my strategy. He passes it on to you and I. He says, I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul says, listen, there is a healthy form of spiritual amnesia, of spiritual dementia that you need to have. Forgetting what is behind you and pressing forward to what is ahead. Letting go of what will pull you in your past. And embrace the redeeming story that God wants to write through you and in you. So what about you? Listen, what about you? We all have it. You can't hide it. You're struggling to fix it. And God wants to redeem it. He wants to redeem it towards what he believes you can become. And when he does that, your past is reshaped like clay. In the hands of a master potter. And you know what happens? Then the pot gets formed and it may be a little broken. It's got a little flaws that you just, you can't hide and you can't fix. But what God does that's so cool is at that moment, the light starts to reflect out of you. I don't know what it is about people who experience God's redemption and the rewriting of the story. But it seems like the light just reflects out of them brighter than others. It just seems like the power of God's redemption story just begins to glow and shine in very dark spaces and dark places. I just returned this week from a week-long trip with a team from here to Ireland where we were partnering with some of our folks over there. And let me tell you, Ireland's a beautiful country, but it has a dark and a broken past. But we spent the week believing and seeing glimpses that God wants to rewrite the story of this nation with a past that they can't hide and they're really struggling to fix. And you know how God fixes nations? It's good for us to know. He does it through people. Not through politics, not through economics. He does it through people. People who have their own past, but through whom God is doing a new thing forming a new story, and they begin to shine their light to others. And because it's Father's Day, I want to tell you about three guys that I got to spend the week with, three men. For the men in the room, God wants to do a powerful redemption story in you. And these guys, their story is being rewritten 
and God is shining through them. I want, I want to introduce you to Clark. See, Clark comes here to the crossing. He was part of our team. This picture is Clark tackling a tree stump that he fought for over two hours. I think the stump won. But the rewrite of Clark's story, the molding that God's doing, centers around the tragic death of his wife from cancer just a little over two years ago. That was a moment where Clark could have chosen to get pulled back away from God. The gravitational pull could have moved him away. But in the midst of that terrible moment, God began to work in his life. Her passing left a hole in Clark's life that God had to mold and had to rework and lead him back so that he participates in these trips in a way to honor her. And he's determined to let this light shine bright from him as God redeems the terrible tragedy of his life. That's Clark. His past impacts who he is but it's not limiting who he can become. Let me introduce you to Michael, another dude. I worked alongside Michael this week. He's a big dude, big heart. But he wasn't always with that kind of a heart. His past, he shared with me, was filled with a pursuit of shallow successes, living a self-centered, angry, and controlling life. And then one day, just by chance, he read the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. And it was a redemptive turning moment for him as God used it to mold him. He saw the hard, shallow nature of his life, how dark it was, and he didn't like what he saw. And God began to work on him and redeem and light him up. And as I worked next to him, we chattered about his life, and I was inspired by his newfound pursuit of God. He's still being shaped. Come on. He's still being molded. We're all in process. But his past is no longer blocking the light that God wanted to use to rewrite his story. Michael's past impacts who he is but he's not allowing it to stop who he can become. Finally, this is Dermot. Some of you met Dermot a few weeks ago. He was here with us. Limerick, Ireland, where we spent the week, is his hometown. Dermot shared his story with us. He wasn't raised in a Christian home, but he found Christ on his own as a young adult, and God started molding him. Eventually, he moved to the States. He moved to Phoenix, and he ended up on staff as a pastor at a church in Phoenix, and he lived there for five years. He got married. But he felt a strong sense that he should return to his hometown of Limerick and launch a church. So three years ago, he did just that. Elevate Church. Isn't that a great name? And in a dark city where Dermot grew up, in a place where suicides are frequent, Dermot is shining a light. With a small tribe of people, he's forming a church that will light and hopefully mold that city in a difficult post-Christian culture. His past impacts who he is, but it's not limiting who he can become. So what do all three of these guys have in common? Listen, Clark, Michael, Dermot, their redemption story is leaking light into the world. The pieces of their story that God's molding. John tells us the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. What pull are you feeling today? Is the gravitational force of your past pulling you back in a direction that you're not happy with? I want to challenge you today to allow God to rewrite your story. Oh, you may know him. You may consider yourself a follower of Christ, and you are. But he hasn't fully redeemed your past to a place where you can pull and move forward. Because when he does, especially men in the room, the light that begins to shine out of you, man, it's bright. It begins to reflect and glow and do all of those things that a story does when it's rewritten and it begins to change not only your life, but those around you. And I want to encourage you today to let God mold you into those people that he would want you to become despite your past, but because of your future. Will you bow your heads throughout this room and just pray with me today? Father, 
In this room, you want to do something in people's hearts and lives. And God, I just ask you, as they're being pulled in all directions, that you would work in their hearts. Let this day be a story of redemption. God, we ask that just as it's weaved through this Hollywood story, that more importantly, through our stories of brokenness and, and God, pain, that you would redeem, that you would rewrite. God, give us the courage to move into that. Give us the courage to lean into you today. God, we love you. We trust you with our stories. We ask this in your name. Amen.